Good evening from Plug Hit Studios in Largo, Florida. I'm Scott. I'm Abram. And we are here with episode 494 of F5 Live, Refreshing Technology, for uh, March 4th, 2018. This show is a proud part of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. This week, Android is following in Apple's bad footsteps. The ESRB wants to warn you about in-app purchases, and NBC plans to show you less advertising in primetime. This here is F5 Live, refreshing technology, flagship show on the Plunkets Live family of content and wherever you are and however you're accessing our show, whether it be on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music Podcasts, the Podcast Play app in the Windows Store, the myriad of other podcatchers available on all of the platforms, our live stream hosts um, at livestream.com, Twitch, Mixer, Periscope, and YouTube Live, or of course on our apps, uh, pluginslive.com slash apps. Thank you for making us a part of your day. There are two ways that you can do that. Uh, one way is on Sunday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern time. You can join us live by going to f5live.tv slash join us. There you can chat with us in the studio as we talk about the topics. And you can let us know your feelings on the topics as we talk about them. We always like to hear your feedback and especially during the pilch point where we will be showing off a uh, kid's computer tonight. We want to hear your opinion on uh, on that and the other things that go along with it. And uh, if you're not able to join us on Sundays, that's okay. We know some of you are watching an award show right now. That is all right. You can uh, subscribe to this and all of our other series by going to plughitslive.com slash subscribe. There you can see F5 Live and the Pilch Point. You can also see our special events feed, First Looks, which we have an event uh, later this week. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, and uh, new product launch pad and all of our other series as well. With that, I think that is the spiel. Abram, how are you doing tonight? All right. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad's a pretty good place to be. Yeah, it's been a pretty, it's been a, it's been a long week, long weekend, but uh, did some cool stuff with my son. So that was fun. That's always um, good. You know, watched some movies, played with a new, tested some new devices that I brought home. So, uh, so that was cool. Um, you know, uh, we're still working hard on the tech support showdown uh, at, at Laptop Mag, that annual feature where we test the tech support of various, com- of the 10 biggest laptop makers. And uh, <sighs> the, uh, the company that I am, charged with uh writing about with with uh testing um i won't disclose who they are because we're not done yet sure. but uh <laughs> they're making they're making it difficult for me oh. <laughs> by providing what you might consider really good customer service so i'm not really sure if this is <laughs> okay. a bad or they make it harder for me to test them because one time when i called them and I was on the phone with them for a ridiculous amount of time because the guy insisted that we do a factory reset of my computer, Oof. which I don't know is necessary or not. Uh, sure. But the computer was acting so slowly that I guess there was some justification for it. Okay. Anyway, after that, he's like, oh, since you're so patient, I'm now your personal tech support guy. And anytime in the next 24 hours, if you call, you'll get routed to me or email, <laughs> email, you'll get me. 
So I was like, oh man, well, we're supposed to be to, to call several times and, you know, knock at the same person. Like, you know, that's kind of right. hurts the testing portion of this a little bit because I don't think we're supposed to be talking to the same person every right. time. So then I go and part of our testing, uh, and people read all about this when we do, you know, when we post stuff, is to also uh, submit questions on, you know, tech support questions on social media. Sure. So I submit tech support questions on social media and... You know, granted, I want to tell everybody that we don't do this under our, our real names because then they uh-huh. would know that we're journalists. And sure. So we don't want that. So, you know, we you know, we do it under assumed name uh, and we assume, you know, and we get a social media accounts just to do that. Um, and like somehow the company figured out, well, they asked me a lot what the like I the serial number of, of the laptop was on Twitter when I tweeted them the same questions, right? Like, Oh yeah, how do I do this? And then like the next day I got a call from him, the guy that I was on the phone with, (laughs) mind you, it was like three days after the first call. So I thought I was off his radar. Sure. You know, I get a call from him. He's like, are you okay? Cause I see you ask the same questions on Twitter. Oh no. You opened up another ticket again. What's going on? I thought I helped you with this. It's like oh. uh, I must have tweeted that before we talked. It's fine. so now I get, then he's like, "Well, you got to talk to my boss and tell him that." It was, it was like bizarre. I don't know if I'm being helped or stalked. Right, right. I can't, <laughs> I, I, I can't, I can't tell. So I, I do like the idea that if you continue to have a problem, you don't have to start over with a new person. But it definitely does make your testing process more difficult. Now, you know, I don't know that a normal person would care about that. Right. No. Um, but, um, you know, as it's, uh, if, if it's, I were, if I were interacting with, with tech support personally, I would be happy to know that, you know, in six hours, if it turns out the thing that we tried didn't work and I come back that the whole log that this guy knows what we've well, done. Well, he gave me, like, he basically also gave me his email address. Okay. To email him. Yeah. It's like, so, you know, and this is, I won't tell the name of the company, but this is a huge company. Okay. It's not like a small sure. boutique uh, vendor. Uh, so sure. it's weird because I, that was the second call I made. And the first call was nothing like that. The guy was like, okay, this is your answer. Bye. <laughs> so it's weird. <laughs> I, 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 Interesting. I don't, I don't know. So what I have to do to complete the testing is I have to find another laptop from this company. <laughs> okay. That I have not, that has not been registered. Sure. And, um, and register and, you know, registered again under a different name or whatever. But anyway, well, if you have any uh, serial numbers, it's, uh, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's frustrating. I can't just like use a serial number because I have to actually have it in front of me because a lot of times if uh-huh. I make a support call, they want to like remote desktop. Yeah, yeah, whatever, yeah. So I can't. Understood. I can't fake. I can't just fake it from a number. I got it. Um, but uh, anyway, I don't know. That's inside baseball for the for the <laughs> audience here. But I cannot. Might, I cannot wait but, to read about whatever you, company this is. But you cannot. But you know. But you find. You know. But still, it's it's interesting. You know. You. I. I, I asked the audience. Like, is that? Is that? good public good service or, or stalking because he said 24 hours but mind you when i tweeted about something three days, three later, days later i got a call from him <laughs> yeah that's that's so, interesting 
So, um, you know, anywho's. Anyway, that's uh, it's interesting. I didn't realize that the the tech support showdown was going on right now because uh, I was thinking maybe an hour before the show. I was thinking about it because I've been doing a product review and uh, the product they sent me was not working. And so I've been interacting with their support and it's terrible. Like most the worst support. support I've ever dealt with for any product ever. Most most of the support that we see, um, you know, spoiler, some are some are good, you know, but what we find a lot is having at least on the phone, web support is better. Um, on the phone, you can get some really um, support techs who don't know the product very well. Uh huh. So if you ask us, they get stumped a lot on specific questions about that product. Got it. Like. For example, uh, you ask, like, you might, the product might be a gaming laptop and it might have a, a keyboard software on it for setting the keyboard lights. Sure. And you might call and ask, like, well, I, how do I set up the keyboard lights? And they might, right. you might get an answer like, oh, you can't do that on this or whatever. Right. Right. Um, and the software is right there. So sure. it's first, first party software. So, you know, that, that kind of thing. Um, unfortunately happens a lot um but uh well, anyhow the thing, the, thing, stuff, but the thing that i've been really, having that i've been having fun with fun with meaning i've been infuriated by <laughs> is this particular company the only way you can interact with them is essentially through a, a chat in their app and it is on average it's been about three days between replies <laughs> So, so far, I'm about three weeks into this conversation about why doesn't this product work? And I've already solved it. Like, I, I have already solved it. I know what the problem is. The battery was bad. I replaced the battery. Everything's fine. But <laughs> I'm not telling them that. And I'm now three weeks into this conversation, and there's only been maybe five messages back, or, back and forth. It's been terrible. Worst support I've ever used. Anyway, I, I was just thinking about that before because I, I got the most recent message about an hour or an hour and a half before the show. So I was thinking, oh, it's a good thing these people don't factor into the tech support showdown because they'd get a zero. <laughs> we, we've, we've, had some, we've had some bad ones. There's a company this year. I'll just leave it at this. And, 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 and my promo for this is that... Um, the middle of next week, we expect to be publishing this, not this coming week, but uh, toward the middle or end of, of next week. So like the 15th to the 17th, okay. I'll say. Um, the, um, if I'm able to get another computer for this. We have one company that for three days that we were calling them on their tech support number, we were put on automatic hold. Like you didn't, we didn't get a person that said like, you put a, you know, wait, mm -hmm. And then after half an hour, it hung up on us. Exactly 30 minutes. Oh, exactly no. 30 minutes. Weird. Right? And we try even tried their international number, besides support numbers of the U.S. number, the same results. Finally, you know, generally we're, you know, we're, we're acting as undercover as, as, as a reader would. So we're not like, you know, dealing with the PR. I mean, we, we before we do this, we send out notices to the PR people saying, like, what should we know about your sport this year or whatever. Sure, sure. This company, 
we actually reached out to them. We said, did you know that your like support line appears to be down and we've been doing it for at least three days? And they wrote us back with, I'm sorry, with a kind of an excuse. They were like, well, we're in the middle of switching systems this week, but now it should be better. Um, switching systems and your, so your whole phone support system was down for days. Yikes. And we don't know how long <laughs> it was down because, before that. you know, before we made our first call, it right. could have been, you know, forever. Sure. So you, you only know the three days that you were personally interacting with it. You know, and nice. if something like that is down and you're doing a planned update, why why doesn't it just say when people call, like, hey, uh-huh. if you're calling, we're doing an update, sorry, you you know, use our online support or right. something. Right. Grab a, on, grab us online or hit us up on Twitter right. or whatever. And it doesn't say it on their website either, and Oof. it doesn't so so say it on their social media. So if this was intentional, why did they warn no one? Yeah, that's not great. That's disappointing. So, so anyway, I leave you with that. Okay. Um, that's a, that to me would be like a zero. Um, anyway. Okay. Um, so, so at least uh, let's get in this in this case, at least we're able to get through to them. It's just right. long delays. Exactly. So it's it's a one instead of a zero. Right. Exactly. It's not a zero. Like the uh, the the G four rating system. They only gave a zero if you couldn't finish the game. In this case, you couldn't start the game. (laughs) All right. Well, with that, let's get into some news. This week's Nifty Gifties on F5 Live is proudly powered by the Microsoft Store. Whether you're looking for a Surface Book or you're looking for a new Xbox One, with uh, with the new uh, Sea of Thieves bundle, or you're looking for an Xbox One X, which you can get an extra free controller right now. Uh, you can get it all at the Microsoft Store. And it's not just computers and uh, Xbox product, and it's not just Microsoft product either. There's a Harman Kardon Invoke, there's uh, Samsung phones, and all kinds of product that are available. And you can find them all by going to f5live.tv slash Microsoft. So as we discussed last week, uh, Mobile World Congress was this past week. And one of the things that, uh, one of the trends that we happen to see a lot of, and by a lot, I mean at least three or four kind of mainstream devices of, was following the footsteps of Apple, which is not unusual, especially for say, um, the smaller companies. It's not unusual uh, to see at Mobile World Congress a couple of direct hardware knockoffs of the most recent iPhone. Uh, but what what came out this, this year was um, a lot of kind of cloning of, I think, what most users would say is their least favorite feature of the iPhone X and that's the notch up at the top of the screen. Uh, whether you're a user or a developer, that thing has been nothing but a headache. Uh, it's bizarre the way that it works. Uh, if you're, like for example, if you haven't had an iPhone X in your hand, 
you may not know that if your carrier name is more than, I think, seven characters long, the carrier name scrolls almost constantly in the top left corner. So, God forbid you're using uh, voice over Wi-Fi, it's constantly scrolling. Which is infuriating when you're trying to use it and there's this distraction in the corner. If you're a developer, uh, you've had to kind of rebuild your app to be able to support the iPhone X because the screen's a whole weird new shape and things are in different places and it's been it's been a pain. I can speak to that personally. Uh, it's it's really a pain to have to support this weird notch. So the idea that Android devices went, hey, people hate this, let's duplicate it, is very, very strange to me. Especially, now, of course, like I said, we would expect this from the little guys. There's, there's always, right, Avram, there's always a couple of guys at Mobile World Congress that have a direct hardware knockoff of whatever the most recent iPhone is. But, yep. but... We we saw uh, big companies in this case. I mean, LG for God's sake has got has got a notched Android phone, and I think I think in this case <laughs> that look on Abram's face is my favorite. Uh, um, I think this is going to be a problem, and let me tell you why. With with iOS. Uh, Apple is able to prepare. You know, iOS 11 comes out. They're able to prepare and say, is this app ready for the iPhone X? No. Do this. This weird behavior. Because it's one device. They only have to check for one thing, and then they can make the, the actual operating system behave differently for a particular app. But Android's not going to have that capability. I, I mean... If you've ever used just an Android phone with a bizarre aspect ratio, you know that apps lose their mind on those phones. My mom has a has a Galaxy S7 that she's just got the the font up on like like 110% or something like that. She's got like a half a dozen apps she absolutely cannot use. <laughs> Well, it's you know this is beyond responsive design though because you have to program you have to program for a missing block of space, mm -hmm. right? But yeah, so you basically you basically have to program. Although for a different physical it, structure. Although that's only if your app takes over the full screen, right? Because if the if the status bar remains there, then your app doesn't touch the status bar, right? Is that that right? Per perhaps. Um... I, un, until we, until we see some smaller developer apps hit some of these devices, there's no real telling. Although we do know that, you know, the iPhone X wasn't the first one with this concept, right? The essential phone has a very small little notch, and there were app problems uh, with that phone. Not a lot. Because it's a very small section of the screen, and it, like you said, it only takes up uh, status bar area. But, you know, I, who knows? 
So I because mean, you don't, we don't know how the how the hardware manufacturer is going to implement the gap in the screen. That's the thing. Each each manufacturer may implement it in the operating system differently, and when you do that, it may work fine on the LG, but it may not work at all on the ASUS. I I would hope. You know, this is not necessarily a good 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 usability scenario for things that are full screen, like some movies and games, that they still keep the status bar there, because who wants to build an app that like you know cuts like a little block out of the side of a movie or, or cuts like a little block out of the side of the game mm-hmm. experience? I, I mean, you're gonna take a piece out of the middle of the the status bar that shows the Wi-Fi, con- you know, the the 4G Wi-Fi connection and the carrier name and the battery. Like, I mean, I guess there's worse things to interrupt, except that at least, you know, except that when you're trying to pull down notifications from the notification drawer and things like that, mm-hmm. uh, that's going to be that's going to mess with it. Sure. And and, and, and it, why are we doing this? Because it sure does on the iPhone. Why are we doing it? So we're doing this is the ultimate example of form over fu- over function. Yes. Like because we so hate the idea of having like a millimeter of bezel or something above (laughs) the screen so that you could fit in the front facing camera for selfies uh, and facial recognition, potentially if you have IR. Mm -hmm. Um, So we so hate the idea of having this tiny little chunk of bezel that, I mean, because if you look at some of the, like the Galaxy S8, S9 phones, they have just the tiniest little chunk of bezel up there for Mm -hmm. the camera. So what? Yeah, Who cares? exactly. You know, I mean, I people should I, I really hope, uh, you know, please don't tell laptop manufacturers to start doing this. They'll start doing the same thing. I mean, do, do you know how much criticism? I mean, we love a laptop Mac. We love the Dell XPS 13. It's been our favorite pick overall for 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 a few years now. Mm-hmm. But man, everybody, including the people at Dell, admit that putting the webcam below the screen because they don't want to have a top bezel is, you know, not ideal is not ideal. And and they get a lot of complaints about it. And, you know, uh, you know, I mean, I think they're operating on the, at least they're not putting a notch there. Right. And they're operating on the assumption that, you know, maybe people don't use the, there are a whole lot of people who don't use the webcam very much on their, on their laptops. Probably. Um, you know, I'm not saying that I'm not one of them, but I'm, you know, uh, considering the poor quality of a lot of laptop webcams, uh-huh. perhaps they're right. You know, just sure. hook it up to hook it up to a nice Logitech on your desk. Exactly. But, um, but uh, yeah, it's, you know, the, the idea that you're going to actually put something in there to interrupt the the content experience because you're ashamed to have the tiniest of bezels up the top uh-huh. give me a break uh-huh. but you know s- similar things are happening all over the phone i had a meeting with uh synaptics uh the other day uh and they were showing me this was first shown at ces but it was the first time i saw it the first phone that has a fingerprint sensor under the, as part of the screen okay so there is a what's it called i think the x1 or something. It's a, a phone that right now is only sold in China. Okay. But the point is that their sensor is in it, and they're, they're going to be working with other manufacturers. There were so, a, there were a couple of phones uh, last week with with fingerprint in the screen. 
at least oh. two that I was aware of. So, see, it's it's getting bigger. Uh huh. You know, and so that's to solve the problem that you know Apple had the fingerprint on the the home button, mm-hmm. uh, but they had to get rid of the home button, uh, and you know other manufacturers. Obviously, their solution is to put the fingerprint reader on the back, on the back. next to the camera, and I hate that. Like I, my my phone has the fingerprint reader on the back, and I never use it. Mm-hmm. I tried signing up for it; it was too much. It was too much of a pain in the butt to reach around there, especially because I would accidentally put my finger on the uh-huh. on the camera and then smudge it. Um, <laughs> the the so... the GS8 was was notorious for that. Yeah, that's exactly what I have. Uh huh. So, um, I probably the number one complaint about the GS eight is the placement of the fingerprint reader. So I, I just don't use it. Yeah. I, I, I would I like don't to either. use it. I would like to use it. I would like to be able to use a fingerprint reader. So, you know, I guess what I'm getting to is maybe companies are going to have to look for ways to put things under the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, can they find somebody put a, put a camera under the screen? I don't know. Is that, how crazy is that? Uh, I mean, if they can have this sensor under the screen, can they have a camera under the screen? I don't know. It means Maybe that, someone. It means that they're likely getting infrared through the screen. So, I mean, it's a good start. I wonder if, uh, you know, I wonder if someday, I wonder if another step, although I'm sure there'll be lots of complaints about this, is to have a camera that pops out of the top or something. I, like with a interestingly action or something interestingly i was kind of thinking about that like the uh the hp touchpad had a little thing for all the ul and fcc stuff on it uh they could do the same thing for the uh for the camera that's what i was thinking on the for the dell when you were first talking about it yeah so yeah i've thought about that for years obviously it's not me up to me to make it and I'm sure that people, you know, that's a spring-loaded mechanism. It adds girth or whatever to the whole thing. So I, I don't know, but and obviously, it, and it's a potential point of failure, right? Because it's it's a mechanical thing to yeah. break. So on the other hand, you could just not be ashamed to have a little bit of a top bezel uh-huh. on something. Agreed. That I, that's the easiest solution. I have yeah. dozens. <laughs> obviously, you and I both are in this boat. Dozens of of phones around for a decade or more and nobody's ever been ashamed of a little bit of a <laughs> of a thing at the top to put the speaker and the front facing camera what? it's a new thing now and not new but like it's been a, it's been kind of an arms race to get less and less bezel and while that's that's pretty you know it's pretty and it impresses people and all that stuff it's not necessarily it's not a, functional right it's not necessarily useful. Now, I mean, you know, look, I, I do, I, I'll admit that when I see something like the XPS 13 screen, I'm like, wow, this kind of even looks a little bit better to look at the picture because I'm, because the frame is so narrow. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, you're, but you're not trying to hold that frame in your hand. In my experience with the iPhone X, the, like, if when I'm using it, I have to hold it very bizarrely not to be constantly interacting with the screen because there's nothing mm. on it to hold it by. Mm. I I mean, you know, I have the S8, like I said, and, mm-hmm. you know, we it has, like, no bezels on, almost nothing on the sides. Yeah. And almost nothing on the bottom. 
And I have I've had no problems with accidentally interacting with the screen or anything. I don't have any. In, I I've got a an S8 Plus as well, and uh, I don't have the same problem with that that I have with the iPhone. I don't know what it is. One one more thing that's interesting about this this uh, LG situation is how quickly did they copy Apple? Because uh-huh. like, does it take? A, I, I I don't know. I'd love to know the answer to this. Perhaps you know. How long does it take a company from start to finish to create a new phone, to develop a new phone? I, uh, I, I don't. I know how long it took inside of Palm and HP, because obviously I had different contact in there. Um, but today, it's probably less time than it was. And to be fair, we <laughs> we did know what the the iPhone X was going to look like. Like th- three months at least before they announced it. So it just, it's like such an obvious reaction to somebody else's product. Mm-hmm. That they cannot say that, like, they cannot credibly say, in my mind anyway, oh, we were working on this for years. It's just a coincidence. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, we're, uh, best case scenario, they go, well, we saw what, what Essential did. That's your best case scenario. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not good either. Anyway, it it's a bizarre thing. It's not probably not going to go great uh, at first with apps. Uh, so be be warned if you're interested in these. I would try some apps in the store before I bought one, because <laughs> there's always the possibility that there are going to be problems here. Um, I mean, there's. There are still all kinds of apps that screw up weird on the iPhone today, and that's been out for six months now. So anyway, it, it's weird four months. I don't know. How long has that been out? doesn't matter. <laughs> Just think about this, though. LG is like the Avis rent-a-car of, of phones, right? Like they, they have to try harder, right, than Samsung. Oh, God, that was funny. <laughs> they, they have to try harder than Samsung, so they have to take risks. Yeah, for sure. And we've seen them take a number of risks over the years that did not pay off. That's like true. they were the ones that had the two sc- dual screen, they had a dual screen phone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not to say that Samsung is risk averse. I mean, they'll, they'll, they certainly, you know, try new things, but sure. LG has to, LG has to throw things at the wall because they're not, um, you know, secure footing. They're not, they're not, they're not on secure footing. They're not, I don't think. Their their market share is is that great, and they don't have the brand loyalty that Samsung has. That yeah. people are going to go back to Samsung and back to Samsung. You know, if if somebody has an LG and Samsung does something exciting, they're going to go over to Samsung. But it's very unlikely that they're going to go the other way. You know, LG really has to do something out of the out of this world to attract somebody off of Samsung. Yeah. So, anyway. Um, it'll be interesting when these things start hitting the hitting the market. My guess is it'll be a rough uh, launch, but eventually, if this trend is going to uh, stick around, Google will figure out a way to get involved and make it an easier transition for them. Whether they should or not, that's a different conversation. But my guess is eventually they do. Whatevs. And I know I'm messing with people. I did mean to play this music. (laughs) 
This week's Pilch Point with Avram Pilch is proudly powered by Monster Products. The headphones on my head, the Monster DNAs, the Monster Elements on ear, over ear, in ear, and of course all of the speakers, the S100, 200, 300, 400, the Monster Blaster, the variety of sizes, uh, plus all the cables and power to, uh, to connect them up are all available by going to pluckitslive.com slash monster. And I'm, I'm trying this this week, starting with Avram's music and not trying to do a two-part thing because he's here for the whole show. <laughs> and he has been for a long time. So um, so this week, Avram, we've got a bit of a show and tell. Yes. So what I brought to class today <laughs> is uh, this actually has been out for a little while, but it's new, to, it's new to me and maybe new to a lot of people in the audience. This here is the uh, Cano computer kit. Uh, this is very cool. It is a first computer for a kid. But it is designed is designed to teach your kid a lot of things like how to program, and it is no joke. It you know a lot of things that we see for kids are really dumbed down, and uh-huh. you know they teach just some very basic stuff, uh, or they leave your kid sort of with a very advanced uh, piece of software and hardware, but no direction. Like, oh great, here's some programming stuff. Good luck to you. Yeah, here's some stuff. Bye bye. Go around. Fool around, do something, have fun. Now this, this what? So what I really value is something when they have really good documentation and gamification of of the experience. So first of all, let's take a look at this hardware. Uh, so this here, you build it. Okay, it's not just. It does not come as I'm showing it to you. It comes in pieces and you put it together. Now putting it together is not that hard. It took uh, my son and I less than an hour. To put it together okay um, and you see it looks really cool so uh, what it uses is I'm gonna point these out with my finger uh, in the back here this is a Raspberry Pi uh, Raspberry Pi 3 board it's got you pop on um, this like USB um, connector USB thing here onto the uh, basically onto the pins you run a couple wires over here this is the um, board that's on this on the uh, screen which is 10 a 10 inch screen so you run it to that you run it to that you know there's a uh, three usb ports uh there's three usb ports on the side um this little dongle that came with this for detecting sound there's a, a speaker over here um there is this is the power button um this here is how you charge it it has a battery um which you can see right here Touching with my finger, um, and it comes with this with this keyboard with this wireless keyboard, which is very cute. Um, I love that keyboard with the trackpad on the side. Yeah, it's one thing I will uh, criticize about the trackpad though is it's not a click pad; it doesn't click down. Oh. Uh, so it was a little, but it so you can try double tapping on it. It didn't work very well. What you can do, which is a little awkward for a kid with without a big uh, hand span here is that there's a click button over here. So where my finger is here in the lower corner, that's like a right and left click button. Got it. So you can move with one hand on the on the pad and another on the click button. Interesting. Um, also somewhat confusing to my son who's five. So, you know, this is actually he's on the definitely the lower end. I think they're recommending it for kids maybe a little older. 
than him because you really need to read to use it, um, is that this is not a touchscreen. So he ex he keeps forgetting and trying to touch things and like you know doesn't doesn't work. Um, in, in his defense, I do that in my own office all the time. <laughs> yeah, I also the way that this is is laid out, it feels like you should be able to touch stuff, right? Fair enough. It, you know, um, and so uh, first of all, it's running a special version of Linux called Cano uh, OS. Um, and it has a lot of cool, cool features in it to teach you about programming and teach you also about Linux and other things. So if I go over, if I move my pointer over here, there's something called story mode. And if I click on it, and um, it pretends like you're chasing this white rabbit around this um, kind of map. And it may be a little hard to see. So you move your little character around here. And as you move around, you interact with different, like other little characters. I'm not moving right because I'm not able to see what I'm doing to show <laughs> it to you, right? So you hit enter or whatever to read things and it will like, it. sometimes okay. they'll ask you trivia questions. Sometimes they'll take you into another thing where it'll give you programming challenges. Hmm. Um, so, or you could go straight back and like, here's the map, the whole map. And the map's actually supposed to be like the inside of the computer. So one of the areas on the map is like HDMI falls. And one of them is like, like each one of them is actually supposed to be mirroring part of the inside of the computer and teaching you about computers. That's actually pretty cool. I like that. You know, and then when you go like here, let's see, I'm on SD card beach or something. <laughs> um, <laughs> let me see one sec. I want to, what I want to show you is one of the parts that I was at, which I may not be able to get back to too easily, a Python jungle where you actually can like learn, um, learn about a little bit about programming through doing a, um, so let me get back to, I'm going to go back to the main menu for a second, show you something there, which is hard to get back to if I don't know where I'm going, but, oh, I got to go here to the home button. So anyway, if I get back to the dash, what's the dashboard, there's a whole bunch of apps on here and you can install more. There's an app store. Some of these are general Linux apps, but a lot of them are, are Kano apps. So, um, for example, uh, Make Art here is a really cool one. That is one where you it, it kind of teaches you how to draw using programming. So, like, it gives you a challenge of, like, here's a... Here's a, um, you know, here's here's a set of eyes or something. Uh, you type this code to draw a circle and then draw another circle. And now, nice. It's hard to necessarily call some of these things challenges because they really step you through it. So it's not if you can follow the instructions, you won't, you know, necessarily be at a loss. Um, you know, so for example, like here's this like little, I don't know how easy it is for you to see this little, uh, oh, how did it end up here? Like camp sign or whatever. And if I go in here, mm -hmm. it's going to, and I want to start it, it's going to give me this like canvas here. Uh, it's hard, okay. And it's mm -hmm. actually hard to read probably, but at the top, it's actually telling you what to type first. Like, it's a sunny day, set the background color to blue, type background blue. And so you type that, and you hit enter, and then you see the background turn blue, and it steps you through the whole thing. 
to program this picture. But they have much more complicated things with a block-based code language too, which are for using th doing things like using this sensor. So here's this is an um, an additional thing that they sent me that you had to buy separately. This is a motion sensor, uh, and you some of the challenges that Kano has are for using the motion sensor, and so you can like program it so it'll like move play basically it'll play a game of pong by doing this by moving your hand up and down above the motion sensor okay. um uh or you know and of course there's a free form thing where you could also just you know code whatever you want um granted it's using its own block-based coding language because that's what they generally do with kids mm -hmm. uh is for kids things is give them blocks to drag around that's what i've seen with a lot of stuff yeah. um it does seem to apply that somewhere in here you may be able to do more complicated stuff like with Python or something if you want to. Um, and you know, this is Linux. So there's, um, there actually are things in here to teach you about the command prompt. Like when I first, when I first set it up, it had me do a bunch of things at the command prompt and it gave me to get it started. And it gave really told you exactly what to do, like type this, type that. So it's, it's stepping you through, it's real, a lot of handholding. And the instructions for putting it together, the, the printed instruction book, also great, like really good handholding as like a little character that says, here's what you're gonna do next, and this is what this thing in your computer does. It's the brain, it's the, you know, whatever. So cool. it, these sorts of products really rise or fall, in, in my view, based on how good of a job do they do of engaging children like sure. it's not enough to provide good hardware or good soft or, or like powerful software yeah you know it's really like how how easy is it for the kid to use something to use and is it engaging enough that it, it like keeps you coming and this just keeps doing things that you would see in a game so every time you complete one of these code challenges it says you're gone up you've gone up a level you've got more xp I have not figured out yet what you do with all this XP and all these levels and all these badges. <laughs> it may be nothing. It may just be like to make you feel good. Sure. Um, but uh, but nevertheless, like it feels like you're and you're unlocking a next lesson after it. it it's gamified. It really mm -hmm. feels like hey, I'm, I'm I'm playing a game. So, you know, I I actually really enjoy have really enjoyed uh, using it with my son. You know, he's five, so the stuff that involves, right, you know, moving uh, blocks that have words on them and having to read the instructions because it doesn't talk to you. Um, okay. You know, I've been sitting and doing it with him, and he's he gets a little bored because basically I have to do it for him. Okay. Uh, but stuff that he could do completely on his own, like they have a drawing app on there, and, you know, he's sitting there drawing all kinds of stuff and saving it. Now, you know, I wouldn't buy this so a kid could draw on something that's the equivalent of Microsoft Paint. But, right. um, but, you know, what I find is interesting is for him, like he doesn't, he hasn't used my computer, doesn't use my wife's computer, doesn't have his own PC. So this is his first real experience with using a keyboard and, and mouse type environment. Um, and if not, if for nothing other than that, it's a great learning experience um, that he's kind of learning how like compute PCs work, sure, um, so to speak. Um, 
Now, this does not have a, um, you know, this is connected to the, one thing I will say is I don't see any parental controls on by default. There is something where you can, there is a little checkbox and say enable parental controls, but um, there's no web browser on here, but that I've seen, although there's an app store, so I don't know if maybe you could get it from the app store, uh, but some of the challenges seem to be on a web page and it's loading it in Chromium. So I'm not sure whether you could, I don't think you can get to the address bar to change the address bar, but you're kind of on the internet sure. and then it has a YouTube app on it. And I don't think by default it blocks anything. So, you know, what I, I guess what I'm saying is parents, if you get this, look at, look to see if the parental control is on, I will be testing the parental control part. You may need, you you know, you, if you're concerned about your kid going wild on YouTube and seeing things that they shouldn't see, um, you know, you might want to carefully scrutinize the settings. Uh, but it's um, really fantastic uh, learning experience. The act of building it was great. Um, you know, it's got a lot of great apps that come on it and you can download a lot. Um, you know, and so I, I, it's a good kind of introduction. Um, and, and it gets into some really heady concepts. When I was doing that, like going through that whole map environment, one of the places they got, people were asking me trivia questions about, about Linux commands. Interesting. You know? Now, those would totally blow, be over Isaac's head completely, sure. <laughs> especially since I didn't, somehow I haven't gotten to the part where they explain the Linux commands, but I did get to a part where it asked me some trivia about them, <laughs> you know. Because uh, I, I guess where I walked, so it's like, oh, what does MV stand for? Is it move or, you know, make or something? So gotcha. Um, anyway, uh, I'm impressed. This is a this is a fun toy. It looks really pretty. Uh, Isaac just likes to show it to people who visited. Like when my parents came the other day, like, look, look, it's computer inside, you know, um, and uh, you can even carry it around. It's not very heavy. And the keyboard will actually like snap into here so you can like, you know, oh, cool. take it with you. Um, so it's uh, really neat, the Keno computer kit. I believe they actually sell this in two versions, one with the screen and one without. Yes. And I guess the without is that you connect it to a screen of your own, um, bring your own screen. Yeah, HDMI um, out. I, you know, obviously, you know, money is tight all over, but having the screen I think is really cool um, because what you really want is to be able to like have your kid be able to kind of carry it around. I mean, I'm very worried about him dropping it, but like you want your kid to be able to use it mm -hmm. where they play, like in the dining room table, they take it or in the playroom or in their bedroom or whatever. And um, you know, it's not, if you can't, um, if it's if you're hooking up to the TV or some other place like that, then your kid's not going to have that experience. Um, but uh, plus, it looks like the build process is almost non-existent. Yeah, I mean, well, it's 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 really fun. I mean, well, I it's mean, really fun. I mean, on the, it doesn't take long. I mean, on the smaller set, on the one without oh. the screen, it it it's a very small piece of hardware. And it looks almost like it's two or three pieces that just snap together. Yeah, so that, that also makes it boring. But I also to tell you, for those who are worried, the screen part of it's like you're not putting LEDs in there, okay? 
there's really only about 10 pieces that come with the whole thing. The screen is completely built and this display board is plugged into it. Then what you're doing is okay. you're taking the various elements and popping them onto the back of the screen and then connecting them with a few wires. Uh, you know, so, you know, what it came with was the screen with board on back of it and some, some like holes to, to pop things in. By the way, no screwdrivers involved, obviously no soldering, uh, everything, no tools required, needed. Um, so, you know, you'd like take the Raspberry Pi board, you pop it on. You put something on top of the Raspberry Pi board. You take one of the three colored wires and you connect one thing to another. They even have like a little cable management thing inside so the wires don't get messy. And then when you're all done, there's another back piece of plastic that you snap on and the whole thing is done. So it's uh, really, really easy to make, almost too easy, because um, I don't know if you learn a ton by making it. But we had a lot of we had a lot of fun making it, and it just gives you a real pride of ownership. Like, oh, we need sure. this thing, you and, know. And if you've had to uh, to think about it in terms of the uh, the the map that you get to walk around, yeah. if you've had your hands physically on those yeah, pieces, that's the, then yeah, that's, walking that's around the map makes more sense when they're talking about you know. SD card lake or whatever it was called. Uh, yeah. Wait, if you've physically seen it and you, or you can yeah. just flip the thing over and go, I see what we're talking about Boop. versus, yeah. 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 Versus the, this little one where you, I mean, you can see inside of it, but it's a very different, very different, like physical experience from the one that you're, you've got. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's, I think what you're paying for here is not just, I mean, I don't know. I know Raspberry Pis aren't very expensive. The pieces, the other pieces, I mean, the screen is probably worth quite a, quite a bit because I know buying a screen for a Raspberry Pi is not cheap. Uh-huh. Um, you know, but you're paying for an experience here, not just hardware. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, there appears to be some sort of a Minecraft thing available yes, for yes. it. So I, That's yes, cool. it built in. There's something called Hack Minecraft. And I have to admit, I don't know enough about Minecraft to know what to do with it yet. Fair enough. We, we, we've tried loading it yesterday, and there's definitely a thing where you can program stuff to do something in Minecraft. Uh, and I need, I, need, I need to actually like get my act together when it comes to Minecraft because right, this isn't the first thing I've gotten where there's some reference to like do something to Minecraft. And I'm like, well, I don't, I'm not good enough. I'm not literate enough in Minecraft to know what do I need to know a lot of Minecraft right. to use this thing. It seems like I do. So there's an app on there called Hack Minecraft. Um, by the way, several of the apps on here are not unique to Kano. They're Linux, standard Linux apps. Sure. Like the programming ones are Kano and, you know, the map one is, but. There's like the drawing app is like something called like Tux Drawing. Mm. There's like a game that we were playing that Isaac really liked called Super Tux, which is like basically like a side scroller game where you're a penguin and jump around. Um, so, so there's a lot of stuff on here that you, you, that that hack uh, Minecraft might be available elsewhere. Seems likely. So I I think the uh, the the end result here is that you're saying. This is something to consider. Oh yes, I think <laughs> I think it's I think it's great. I mean, I think you know, it, 
nothing's cheap. It's 250 But considering some of the prices I've seen on kids' robots and whatever, mm-hmm. you just have to have a kid who's really interested in programming. They're really – they're fairly, you know, good reader, um, you know. So, you know, five-year-old like my son, probably a little on the young side unless they're really patient and you'll sit through them with it, read it to them. Um, but, you know, I could totally see him like when he's like in first grade being able to do this. Uh, but, you know, yeah, I, I mean, this could probably scale up to like easily a nine or 10 year old, too, okay. because I mean, you're learning Linux commands in here sure. if you want. So. So that's that's quite serious. And I really love when I met the folks from Kano at uh, CES that they were like, yeah, of course, we're going to use, you know, Linux and we're going to use Raspberry Pi and. You know, we, we want to give kids like a real computer experience. Um, so I, I really appreciate that. You know, I, I think I think they're, they're trying to teach kids, but they're not trying to dumb it down for kids. Sure. Very cool. And uh, obviously you've We're got gonna a... Have a review of this. up. We're going to have a review of this up uh, probably within a week okay. on Tom's Guide dot com. Uh, but my early verdict on it is this is this is awesome. Uh, uh you know the Keno computer kit. Uh, if you if you're uh, trying to teach your kid about computers and they can read even a little bit, um, or you want to sit with them and read to them, this is definitely uh, a great choice. Very cool. Well, uh, it looks it looks fascinating. While you've been talking, I've been doing research on it. Uh, it looks really cool. I can't wait to see the the final review on it. And as always, thank you for bringing this uh, to us. Great. Always a pleasure. This week's Extra Life on F5 Live is proudly powered by Razer. All the accessories you need to up your gaming experience, either on the PC or on console. Uh, right now, we've got some really great deals. If you're looking for a, a gaming laptop, we've got some great deals. Uh, $500 off on the 14-inch Razer Blade, both the HD and the 4K version, and $500 off on the 17-inch uh, Razer Blade Pro, um, which is also an HD screen, which are obviously those are great deals. Anytime you can save that kind of money, uh, it's it's uh, something to consider. Plus, of course, they've got all the all the other accessories, keyboards and uh, mice and uh, webcams and all of that stuff are all available by going to f5live.tv/razer. Um. So, this week, <laughs> something interesting happened. Uh, we've been talking for a little while about the uh, kind of the change to how uh, games and stuff are dealt with. And not just games. Um, all, all apps have, you know, in-app purchases at this point. And, you know, a number of years ago, um, I think... Before, before Avram had the second chair for the show, um, we we even discussed um, that there was a lawsuit against Amazon because 
people were able, kids were able to make in-app purchases on stuff. And so it's been, this, this has been, the concept's been around for a long time and it's particularly prevalent in games because the idea of a free to play game has become really popular on mobile. Uh, we've seen, I mean, even the big game, right? Pokemon go, uh, that's a free to play with in-app purchases. Um, but all of the all of the digital stores have a, a notice when you go to to buy it. There's always some sort of a notice that says this game has uh, additional costs. And so kind of the only place that doesn't have that today is uh, physical retail. So, you know, Avram and I talked a couple of, I don't know, let's say months ago. I don't remember when now uh, when Star Wars Battlefront 2 was coming out, there was a lot of backlash because uh, if you wanted all of the content in the game and you didn't want to play for the zillions of hours that it would require to unlock all of the content, it would have cost over $2,000 to purchase all of the, the content. So the cost of the game is statistically irrelevant at that point. So if you bought the game on some of the online services, you may have gotten a notice that said there are in-app purchases. But if you bought it at GameStop, there's none of that. So the ESRB announced this week that they will be uh, adding that kind of a warning to retail packaging to bring it in line with all of the digital stores, which to me seems like the logical conclusion to this transition. What do you think, Abram? Yeah, I mean, you got to... You know, you got to be consistent. So if you're buying something in the store, it should have the same warning that you would get online. Fair I enough. Mean, now, loot crates have become really controversial uh -huh. these days because, you know, of some of the sort of abuses that you saw with things like Star Wars Battlefront, Battlefront 2, right? And uh -huh. It's it's become you know it's become a very controversial issue. There's a, you con know, what, there's a congressional they, investigation. Are they bilking you? Is it gambling? Um, I don't know. I don't know how to... I, I mean, I, I do think... I would love, as a parent, to get kind of a, a warning about not just that things have in-app purchases, but, like, how much. I don't know if you could ever get that, but, you know... To really play this game, you need to spend <laughs> X, you know, because, uh, you know, I guess I'm old school. I remember the days when you just bought like a cartridge uh -huh. and that was it. Like you didn't have to buy additional stuff to play the game. Maybe maybe you a know? game shark. <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, maybe you'd buy a game shark, but that's that was its own kind of special thing. And that worked for all the games, so it didn't matter. Because, you know, like, I, I understand that, like, a lot of things it's not absolutely necessary to make in-app purchases. Mm -hmm. But for some, it's pretty hard to get to to sure. enjoy the game without them. Yeah. To make, get full use of the game without them. Like, uh, my son got a few, like, a few months ago, he was real into um, this game Skylander Superchargers mm -hmm. on his PlayStation. Uh, that's one of those toys to life style games where they actually had, um, you know, figures sure. that you had to get uh, and put them on a pad. Like Disney and, Infinity and that kind of. Yes, we have them all. By the way. 
<laughs> we have we have all you. three major games that do that. We have Disney Infinity, we have Skylanders, and we have uh, Lego Dimensions. Um, I like Lego Dimensions the best of them, and, and all three of them have been unceremoniously canceled. So uh-huh. go go figure. A real shame because we enjoyed them, but at least there your in-app purchase you would actually get a physical thing. Right. But the principle is the same. Like so, when we were playing Skylanders, like you'd go walking through a thing. And what it comes with, there are like three types of vehicles, land, sea, and air. And it comes with a land vehicle. So you go through and there are various missions and they're like other characters who try to tell you, like, you need to save my frog people or whatever. Use your boat. And you're like, oh, wait a second, I don't have the boat. Right? <laughs> oh, you need to get, you know, you need to go, you know, save the princess, but you're going to need, you know, you're going to need to bring your, your plane Oh, it doesn't come with a plane. So like sure. you can play the game to the end and skip all those missions. Sure. But, you know, my son was really not happy about that. And then later uh-huh. he was like, made us go buy him like, you know, the other stuff. And then he wanted to replay the whole game just so we could play those missions. All the side was, quests. Yeah. All the side quests. And I was like, ah. You know, so like I don't mind an app purchase if it's just like, okay, you can have a slightly cooler vehicle or the slightly cooler character. Right. You got to pay for it. But when you can't actually can't play all the missions on the game or all the, you know, yeah, tracks in the race or whatever, like that, you know, it's sort of like they've sold you an incomplete Product, thing, which yeah. I guess is why you have all these free to play games. Yeah, exactly. Those are those are all. I mean, not all. You've got Pokemon Go that you could easily and happily play forever and not pay a dime. That's been my case. Uh, or you know, uh, um, Animal Crossing Pocket Camp. You don't necessarily have to pay any money on that, especially at the weird rate they give you the <laughs> the in-app currency. Um, but then then there are other ones. Um, there's there's the Mario. The Mario game that came out and only the first level was free, but they didn't talk about that when they launched it. <laughs> so, so yeah, there's there's definitely different approaches to it, and I like the idea that this is now we don't know the details. Um, obviously, it's the ESRB, and they know they know how to give a rating, like a rating system. That's what they do. So, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a like a rating scale, like a warning scale um, for this. They have not talked about the details. They have not even talked about when it will launch. But uh, I would not be surprised if there was some sort of a rating scale like the uh, like the the actual game rating that sh- says fantasy violence and blood and gore and, you know, all the things just like the TV rating system does. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't something like that, which is probably why they haven't discussed the details on it. They haven't probably worked them out yet, but my guess is it won't just be like the surgeon general's warning. It'll be, it'll be a, a scaled kind of thing that says, you know, this, this has, this can be played all the way through, but, or uh, you're not going to be able to play this without, or, you know, that kind of thing. That's my guess on how it'll be implemented, but that's just speculation based on how the organization has worked in the past. 
we'll see later on in the year how they implement it. They said in the near future, but that probably means in time for holidays, is my guess. So. This week's news from the tubes on F5 Live is proudly powered by Riff Tracks. Make fun of movies or let the professionals do it for you, because that's what they get paid to do. The guys who used to do Mystery Science Theater 3000 are back and doing what they do best, making fun of movies. From blockbusters to planet outlaws, can't make these things up, they've got a little bit of everything. <laughs> The way it works is for a couple of dollars, you download the MP3, play it along with your DVD, Netflix, Amazon, wherever you happen to have the movie, and laugh. Of course, they also, from time to time, will do live events. They are currently crowdfunding for the 2018 uh, live events, uh, Space Mutiny in June, and Crawl in August. Uh, you can find out how you can support that. Uh, all the movies that are available, including... The uh, <laughs> this week's uh, special, which is Roller Gator, which sounds just absolutely terrible, which in my experience are the best ones to watch, uh, which is currently two dollars off. You can find out about all of that by going to f5live.tv/rifttracks with an X. <laughs> Roller Gator. Oh, I might be buying that tonight. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> Let us talk about uh, Twitter. Now, obviously, if you've been following along with the show for a while, you've heard Avram and I discuss the generals of this topic a number of times because it is kind of the big topic in the Internet right now. And it's about uh, online content policing and uh you know, YouTube is going through this pretty heavily right now, and they're getting a lot of pushback on what they've been doing. Uh, you know, they've they've demonetized a whole bunch of channels. In some cases, they've deleted channels for potentially no reason, and it's because they started to go down the path of policing, which created a problem for them. And Twitter, I think we all know, I and I don't think anybody will argue that Twitter has, I mean, it's not, it's not 4chan, but Twitter is kind of a, a weird like place where people go to be mean and to spread weird nonsense. Uh, <laughs> if you've spent any time on Twitter, I think you know that there's a lot of that going on there. And uh, this week, the CEO uh, and one of the co-founders, Jack Dorsey, um, <laughs> tweeted a whole series. There was a whole chain of, of tweets where he basically said, you know, we love the whole instant gratification thing. It's the reason why Twitter was created. And what we've seen happen is weird and not quite what we were expecting. Um, he said, we've witnessed abuse, harassment, troll armies, manipulation through bots and human coordination, misinformation campaigns, and increasingly divisive echo chambers. Uh, we aren't proud of how people have taken advantage of our service or our inability to address it fast enough. He then basically went on to say, 
there may not be a solution to this because people are people and the internet is the internet and people are going to talk, uh, which I think is kind of in line with what Avram and I have been saying for maybe a year now. We might, we might have been having this conversation on and off for a year now that it may not be possible to address this and it may not be the right thing to do to address it, right? Yeah, so that's the thing. Like, do you want to be a publisher or do you want to be uh, a medium, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that uh, social media, they want to be a medium. Now, at the same time, uh, Facebook obviously loves doing things to kind of get publishers onto their platform sure. so that they can make money off of them. Um, and uh, they've got stuff like know, instant articles and Facebook watch and stuff like that, 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 but, that kind of stuff. So, you know, they want the money. Uh, but I when, the thing, the thing about instant articles to, to look at it the other way with Facebook, with instant articles and watch, that's all curated content, right? Not just exactly. anybody can sign up for instant articles or uh, for Facebook watch. Yep. We've been approved for one and not the other. Right. So, you know, right. Exactly. So, but, you know, to get to to the point to Twitter, it's like, look, Twitter has always struck me as something that is more of a, I mean, unfortunately, a lot of people think that social media sites are public, like a public utility or something. Right. They are private. They are private websites, Mm -hmm. private services that are owned and policed by private companies whose main interest is in making money mm-hmm. and avoiding negative coverage, negative attention. Um, so, you know, you could argue that it is in Twitter's best interest to police from a PR perspective. At the same time, they're walking into a minefield when they police because, you know, how do you decide what's, you know, once you start um, saying, well, I don't want this, this is bad speech, I don't want this, which which they do, by the way. I mean, it's not fair to say that they don't do it. I mean, people would like them to be more aggressive uh-huh. about kicking people off of Twitter. But nevertheless, they do kick people off of Twitter and they do, you know, delete things and people sure. do get punished. So it's not... It's not exactly the Wild West. Sure. But, sure. Um, because, again, they have shareholders they have to answer to. There is, you know, there there is a certain level that they kind of have to so that they, like you said, stay off of the, uh, the, the negative publicity side of things. So, you know, but look, I don't think that they want to be in that business. I don't think, you know, honestly, all the people who every time I hear people complain about like people being mean on Twitter and, you know, when is when is Twitter going to do more about it? I mean, there's a, I mean, there's there's a great option. It's called like, let's not use Twitter like sure or or block people or make your profile private. You know, you're like, not required I, I, to allow anybody to interact with you. Now, I admit, like, I used to really not care that much for Twitter at all. And then I started to see, like, the value in it in seeing, like, I would get interesting kind of 
information and news kind of filtered at me through Twitter because things that other people who I followed thought were important were not necessarily things that I would have found on my own sure. or, or that their kind of take on it would give me some perspective or whatever. So I've gotten some interesting stuff out of Twitter. Sure. Um, no, no, no doubt, but nevertheless, it's kind of like, you know, a big, loud, noisy, uh, public square with all of the attendant benefits and problems. Sure. But the pro but of course in a real public square, you know, most of some of those people, you'd be like, Hey, you could just stand up there yelling racist stuff. You know, you, you know, it's going to, you're going to have to deal with consequences of that. Right. Now Twitter is a fairly consequence free medium where people can have a fake name or they can even be a bot and say all kinds of horrible things and sure. get away with it. Sure. So, but, but I, like to, to continue with the analogy, it's not, it's not the owner of the square that tends to come deal with the crazy people in a, in a town square shouting crazy things. It tends to be the people who either turn their back to it or find a way to be louder and less crazy than the crazy guy with the bullhorn. We see it. Right. We see it in Vegas every year. There's always a guy literally standing on a, a milk crate with a, with a karaoke machine in front of the Bellagio fountains. It's a different person all the time, but there's every year we've been there. There's been somebody going on about something and people either listen or they totally ignore it. And at no point have I ever seen the Bellagio come out and say, Hey guy, I and, and they very well could, but I'd rather, I'd rather uh, live in a society where they didn't. Right. So, I mean, cause if that's their property, they could, sure. um, I don't, I don't know if it's a public, if the area, that area is part of a public sidewalk or not, but I don't know but, exactly where they hang out. They probably hang out on the public sidewalk, but, um, you know, I think, you know, I think it's, 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 it's really hard to draw the line. So I think obviously they, I think they've got to be, I think they've got to be kind of permissive, yeah. you know, in because some of these things, because they don't want to be the ones that have to decide what truth is, right? Just because something's a conspiracy theory doesn't mean that it's not necessarily accurate. I, JFK, assassination conspiracy theories have existed since like an hour after it happened <laughs> and there have been books published on it and never have the books been recalled because somebody was offended right no publisher right. Has said you know what no we're deciding that's not the truth that that seems like a crazy road to go down and that's the thing twitter's trying to avoid being Right. They don't want to be the ones that go. Nope. You know what? Those of you crisis actors aren't a thing. All right. I most people don't believe that crisis actors are a thing. But that, again, just because it's a conspiracy theory doesn't mean that it's false. And Twitter doesn't want to be in the business of deciding what is fact and what is fiction, I think. The, the other thing is I don't think Twitter wants like, like if you look at it from Twitter's business perspective, right? So, like, I've seen people say that certain public figures who can be a little bit um, say some unkind 
things sure. on Twitter sure. should be should be banned from Twitter. You know, um, and I mean, I think as Twitter, you don't want to be seen as taking a side, taking a political side. Right. You want to be seen as you know down the middle. We don't we don't take sides. We're we're a platform, and so if you have someone who's a high profile public figure, maybe a politician maybe, you know, head of industry or something like that. Mm -hmm. And they're expressing controversial opinions that may actually some many might even consider abusive or, you know, you know, or saying things that some would consider false, like the crisis actor thing or whatever. Um, They don't want to, to be the ones to be the arbiter of that, Mm -hmm. you know, and I can't blame them. I don't blame them at all. Because I can't once once you start doing that, you start telling some of your users, even, you know, your standard legitimate users, you know what? We're not really interested in what you have to say. And as soon as you start doing that, people start jumping off the ship like rats. Right. Right. Exactly. So, you know, they can get as much they can get lots of criticism for allowing people to be to be mean. But once but if they were if they satisfied a lot of their critics by being extremely by being heavy handed in who they they booted off. Yeah. I think I think it would be more to their disadvantage. Yeah. Yeah. Because then other people are going to go with them. For a company that's already not having user growth. (laughs) The last thing you want to do is give your existing active users a reason to leave. And, And when you've got. You've got new platforms like the the one with the V Vero Vino that's become real popular over the last week or so. Yeah, you know, you've got new platforms popping up all the time trying to fill that gap. You you can't you can't afford to drive people away today. Yeah, I mean, really weird. I was at the movies last week and I saw a commercial before the movie for Twitter. Huh. I didn't know Twitter did commercials. It's and it interesting. Was it a commercial to advertise on Twitter? It was a commercial to to Be, get a Twitter oh. account and become a user. Wow, I guess they're really desperate for that user growth, huh? So, it's a little weird <laughs> yeah. that a they think that there are people out there who haven't heard of, uh, maybe they've heard of Twitter, but they're afraid to get on Twitter or something. <laughs> That was yeah. the that was the gist of the whole thing. There was like okay. someone had like locked themselves in their room, and the police were outside, and they were like, "It's okay, you can come out. You can use Twitter. Just do this and sign up." They were like making like it was a hostage situation, but they're talking to the person about how to get on Twitter. What a weird ad! I'm gonna ha- obviously I'm gonna have to go look this I, up now. Yeah, I have to see if what, it's on YouTube. What a bizarre uh, ad. Yeah. So anyway, right. So you're watching. I was watching. The thing that occurred to me was like. So wait, there are people who haven't heard of Twitter or have heard of it, but they want to get on. They don't know how to sign up. And so you're giving this commercial to encourage them. And why? That That is so weird. And you know, well, I, I don't know how they're going to get to get growth, but I don't know that that. I don't know that that's how they're going to do it. I, I frankly, <laughs> I don't think any social network has ever grown through advertising. No, I can't imagine that that anybody has 
has grown because of advertising. I mean, ask Rupert Murdoch how well it worked for MySpace. <laughs> this week's DRM not included on F5 Live is proudly powered by Amazon Prime. We all know the features that come with the standard features that come with Amazon Prime, you get free shipping sometimes same day. You can have uh, uh, Whole Foods delivered to your house, but you may not know that you get free music through Amazon Prime Music. You can get free movies and TV shows through Amazon Prime Video, and you can get um, free photo storage and a whole myriad of other uh, uh, benefits. Uh, that that come with the subscription that you may already have. And if you don't already have a Prime subscription, uh, we've got a free 30-day trial so you can find out if it's for you. You can find out about all of the benefits and get that 30-day free trial by going to f5live.tv slash prime. So speaking of advertisements, NBC made an interesting announcement this week. And it was that for uh, their primetime shows, probably starting with the next season uh, later in the year, they are going to limit, they're going to shorten the amount of ads that you see during primetime television. Uh, They're going to cut um, the number of ads per commercial break and the length of each ad in the commercial break to be more in line with uh, services like Hulu where um, the breaks are shorter, there's less ads. Um, So NBC during primetime is going to give this a shot and see if there's uh, a win to the balancing act where if, if their broadcast more naturally matches what younger people are used to with services like Hulu, that they will gain some viewers back. It's an interesting idea. I don't, I don't see how that helps them. Um, either people are, I don't know, maybe I just don't, maybe there's a whole bunch of people that out there do appointment television who are judging it based on the number of commercials. I mean, the best thing unless they had so few commercials that it made it difficult for people with DVRs to forward, fast forward. Fair enough. Cause, cause right now there's, you know, so many commercials packed together that people have DVRs are like, okay, I'm fast forwarding uh-huh. through all these commercials. Whereas if it was like, you know, your commercial break was like two commercials or something. You, okay. You know, it's not worth it for me to pick that up by the time yeah, by the time you forward, get the remote and hit fast forward and hit play and it skips back 15 seconds. And right. And then you oh, might have actually lost part of it. So you got to go back and uh-huh. commercial. Right. So like, you know, if it's if it's a DVR strategy, then it makes sense. But working, having worked for various publications, including, you know, the ones I work for now that that are dependent on advertising. Nobody's ever said, uh, nobody ever says, Hey, let's, let's have, let's sell fewer ads. I mean, 
they may say let's put fewer ads on a page to get more uh, effectiveness for for one i don't know sure. maybe that maybe maybe that happens for television sure the difference maybe, is on, maybe that's on, what's happening here the difference is online we can tell when it, like you can television has it easy man television has it easy because you don't to have a quote-unquote successful television commercial you don't have to have anything happen uh-huh yeah during the commercial so i put on a you know online most ad campaigns are judged based on clicks uh-huh. or even more based on clicking and then buy, and then uh-huh. buying something after you click sure so closing a sale on the other end or some sort of it, activity on the other end signing up for a newsletter or some kind of something whereas on tv how would you know if if i bought something after watching your commercial like unless are, unless you're doing one of those late night things where each network right, has its, its own promo code now. yes so in those rare circumstances you might get something yeah but in most circumstances especially during prime time you watch a commercial for for um you know burger king they don't judge you based on oh do you turn off the tv right now in the middle of the show <laughs> stop watching and then run out to Burger King and right. buy a burger right. at 10.30 at night? No, they just want to get in your head. So uh-huh. I'm not sure how they would even say, oh, it's more effective if we have two commercials, if we have four commercials rather than six in a commercial break or something no like idea. that. How do they even know? No I mean, idea. They take some surveys, I guess, but like, you know, I, I don't know how they prove how they would prove that this is more effective for their advertisers well, because they need the money. You well, know? it may not come down to more effective for the advertisers. The other, the other possibility is that NBC is hoping that by pulling a commercial out of every break that more people will come back to broadcast. And if they've got more eyeballs, they can charge more per 30-second spot or 25-second spot or whatever it is they're they're trying to do. I don't know what their goal is here, um, but the uh, the chairman of advertising and client partnerships uh, said to Variety, there are more and more consumers, whether it's from Hulu or Netflix or Amazon, who are liberated via technology. TV networks would be crazy to believe that anything other than commercial overhaul was anything other than inevitable. So inside NBC Universal. There is there is an absolute belief that that restructuring the way advertising on broadcast works is necessary. The no oh, choice no choice has I, to happen. I agree with that, but removing one or a couple of commercials here and there isn't isn't going to solve the problem. I don't know. Like <laughs> you know, it seems unlikely to me that people like I don't know. I'm just thinking about people I know. Like, either you're DVRing or you're not. And if you're not, it's because you really want to watch that show right now. Uh huh. Right. So if you're one of those people who's addicted to to This Is Us, I'm not. But there are people, you know, then they're gonna watch it. And whether there's one fewer commercial or two fewer commercials in a break, they're not going to be like, oh, I'm watching it now. Like, uh, now I'm maybe, gonna watch it during when it airs. But maybe. Maybe they're looking at uh, somebody who wants to watch something on NBC and ABC at the same time, and NBC is hoping 
that by doing this, since the show, there will be more show and less commercial. Maybe this is the one you watch live and DVR the other one. I don't know. Only if people, only if people really notice. I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, it's an interesting idea. It'll be it'll be fascinating to see what comes of it. For sure. I I don't know. Obviously, there are people who understand that aspect of things at a level that is outside of of our realm because they work in that industry and we work in something tangentially related. Um, may. Maybe there's a whole bunch of research that was done that said this is the thing that's going to work. Who knows? It doesn't seem like a whim decision. If you no, you, I mean, there, there's probably I, been huge studies done before making this decision. I will be curious to see what the end result if they if we ever find out what the end result is. Well, I I guess we'll count how many commercials there are during <laughs> prime time in the first half of the season and then see what happens after the holiday break. That's <laughs> see, true. See if they go back. That would be, that would be my guess. And that is our show. Thank you to those of you who have joined us live. We always appreciate it. Um, if you're not able to join us live, that is okay. Plug slash subscribe has all of our series, uh, as well. And uh, if you have joined us live, you can see all of our other series by going to plugitslive.com slash subscribe, which is a good thing because this Friday uh, we will have another First Looks episode. We will be at the Orlando Regional for the first robotics competition. We will be broadcasting, I believe, from 1 to 4, maybe 2 to 5. I don't remember exactly um, the times offhand this second. But uh, that is always... That is always a fun show. We're trying to get uh, the rep from the Alumni Association in New Hampshire on the show. We'll see how that goes. Uh, but anyway, so that's going to be a lot of fun this Friday. And then that does not change our normal Sunday show. Avram and I will still be here for you on Sunday with uh, Tech News of the Week. And uh, whatever topic Avram has for us, hopefully... I always like it when you have a have a show and tell product, um, but we'll see we'll see what Avram has next week. And so next week will be normal on Sunday, but Friday we will have first looks as well. So you'll have two opportunities to join us. And I guess with that, on behalf of the staff that's not here, I'm Scott. Uh oh, I'm Avram. Oh, there he is. <laughs> <laughs> and we will see you back next Sunday and on Friday uh, with First Looks. Ciao.